The David Rubenstein Podcast is sponsored by Wells Fargo. Nuveen is an asset manager striving to invest in the futures of Hispanic and Black Americans, and they're working to create products and services focused on generational investing for diverse communities around the country. At Wells Fargo, we're helping our clients forge what's next. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. A major trailblazer in the financial service system is Jane Frazier. Two years ago, she became the CEO of Citi and in doing so, became the first woman to head a major money center bank. Today, Citi and other major banks in the United States are facing challenges to the banking system. I sat down with Jane Frazier recently to talk about these and other challenges. Anything new in the banking world? It's been a, it's been a quiet week. Quiet, okay. Quiet week, David. So, um, so let's talk about uh, what has been going on. Let's start with the easy ones, uh, Silicon Valley Bank. What went wrong there? Well, before we dive into that, um, I've worked in financial markets all around the world. Uh, and I have to say, we're very lucky in America. This is the best financial system in the world. It is the end of the world. Okay. But despite it being the best, we have some problems from time to time. Yeah, but they're, they're isolated problems. So if when, you, when you look at it, the financial systems is broad, it's deep here, it's competitive. We've got some large banks that are well capitalized um, and a source of strength at the moment. We have medium-sized banks, regional banks, and by and large, they are equally well capitalized, serving their communities, play an important part in the banking system. This is quite isolated. Okay, but people are still interested in hearing about it, so... Um... <laughs> So uh, your bank is well capitalized. Your yes. bank, I should have said, is a bank with about 230,000 employees yep. and about an $85 billion market capitalization. So uh, your bank is in good shape and your, your bank is the fourth biggest bank in the United States, yep. right? J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and then Citi. There is a bank on the West Coast called Silicon Valley Bank, or there yes. was a bank there, not as well capitalized. I mean, did the regulators not understand what was going on or the people in the banking world, people like you, were you surprised by what happened? Uh, you, so you had a combination of two pieces. You've had the macro and some idiosyncratic and, um, factors around Silicon Valley Bank, but then you also had the impact accelerated by social media of what went down. And the rates curve and the increase in rates has been most we've seen the fastest and the steepest in 40 years. So there's a bit of pain that comes from that. Secondly, um, you did have idiosyncratic factors, I think is the polite British way of describing them in Silicon Valley Bank. So as all this played out, you saw some pretty serious holes in their balance sheet management, and they had a very concentrated client base. Um, and that client base ended up burning cash much faster than anticipated. Um, and they, uh, they ended up wanting to raise capital and it went down pretty quick. In the Great Recession in 07, 08 or so, the U.S. government passed TARP legislation, 
And under the TARP legislation, uh, large amounts of capital were injected into banks, including Citi. Uh, and effectively, that meant that the shareholders, the creditors, and the depositors were all protected. Mm -hmm. This time around, Silicon Valley Bank was, uh, only the depositors were protected over a decision made by the Biden administration, others over the weekend. Do you think that was the right decision to protect only the depositors and say goodbye to the shareholders and goodbye to the creditors? I think it, it's, it's very important to protect the depositors. Right now, the banking system um, everywhere around the world depends on confidence, and that confidence has to be in the safety and security of deposits. So in terms of the, the most important job here, they did the most important job, which is making sure the depositors were whole. So in the old days, uh, you, when there were bank runs, you used to see people lined up outside yeah. the street and get their money out. Now you're just going to your iPhone or whatever phone you have, you can take your money out. So money moves so quickly. Uh, was that a factor as well in having the money get out of a bank so quickly? You don't have to wait in line. You can just do it over there. Uh, it is a complete game changer from what we've seen before, David. You're absolutely right. Um, there were a couple of tweets, um, and then this thing, this thing went down much faster than has happened in history. And frankly, I think the regulators did a good job in responding very quickly um, because normally you have longer um, to respond to this. So they, they acted with uh, quite a lot of speed given how quickly this happened. So some people say you have a moral hazard when you, when you protect people. So by protecting all the depositors in Silicon Valley Bank, the implication was that if somebody else has a problem, we'll protect them and so forth. And so the $250,000 limit is meaningless, more or less. Uh, or do you think the Federal Reserve and the uh, Secretary of Treasury are saying, we're not going to protect every depositor, or we're going to protect certain depositors? Um, I don't think they need to go out right now because the banking system is pretty sound. And, and we're talking about a few banks. We heard it from the Chairman Powell today. Um, you know, this is not something that is spread across the entire banking system. This isn't like it was last time. This is not a credit crisis. Um, this is a situation where it's a few banks um, that have some problems, and it's better to make sure that we nip that in the bud. Not to pick on the West Coast, but there's another West Coast bank, uh, First Republic Bank, which is around the country, but based in San Francisco, and they've had some problems. They've had gigantic decline in their market value and so forth. Uh, do you expect that somebody will bail them out or buy them? Well, I'm not going to comment in depth on First Republic because they are actively working through the challenges that they're facing right now. Um, what you saw last week was a number of the large banks, 11 of us, got together to put uh, a large capital uh, or deposit injection into them to help buy the time to make sure that they could come up with a, a, the right solution for the restructuring that's right. needed. So the large banks and others put in roughly $30 billion of deposits. Yeah. I think you put in roughly $5 billion or yeah. something like that. So um, how did that happen? Did Jamie Dimon call you up and say, hey, you have $5 billion you don't really need and you can put it in uh, First Republic? And is it you have to go to your board to say, I need to get $5 billion somewhere? I mean, how, how, how do you make that decision? And was it, you just say to Jamie, I'll call you back, I'll think about it, or how, do, how, do, how does that work? So um, you, one of the great things about this was actually that the banks did all come back together, because you think of it, we're, we're all pretty, we usually try and kill each other in different deals that we're trying to do. So there's a lot of competition between us. But in this instance, this is one where yeah, we're in a strong position. We want to stop what could have been you know, a problem. And we all know when there is a confidence crisis, 
the logic that takes over isn't it necessarily rational. So we wanted to go and help protect the system. It's in the interest to do so. So despite this being quite a divisive environment that we're all operating in, this is an instance of the banks coming together and saying, okay, what can we do here to support a system that we have confidence in? And you don't put $5 billion into the system um, through the generosity of your own heart, you do it because you have confidence in the system itself. Um, you expect to get that money back eventually? Yes. Okay. So uh, Jamie Dimon is a great banker. I think he's been the head of uh, JP Morgan for 17 years, something Who? like that. Jamie Dimon. <laughs> um, well regarded. But um, why do you think it is the case that he's calling around and doing this and not the Secretary of Treasury, the Chairman of the Federal Reserve, the head of the FDIC? Why is it a non-government person is doing this. I would have thought a government person would do this. David, why do you think that Janet wasn't calling around doing it? Do you well, believe everything you read in the newspapers well, on these times? Um, because when people in Washington do something good, they usually have the press know about it. So, uh, um, but maybe she was calling around. I'm sure she was. But Jamie seems to be getting all the credit, if credit is the right word, or is that not fair to give him the credit? Oh, I, Jamie played a role. I think we all played a role, and so did. Okay. It was a very active discussion over that weekend. Would City consider buying First Republic, or you're not interested? No. In, no, you're not buying. Okay. Um, another bank uh, <laughs> called Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse seemed to dissolve very, very quickly. Uh, were you surprised at, at how quickly that bank kind of went away after about 100 years of being around? So the nice thing is we're talking about three or four banks out of the thousands that are here in the States and the rest of it. So let's put that in perspective. So Credit Suisse, I don't think anyone was falling off their chair that Credit Suisse um, ultimately ended up where it did. It was really a question of time. It's been a troubled institution for a long time. Those of you who don't know it, it's a very um, global bank. In it's got a very strong operation in Switzerland, good wealth management in Asia, an investment bank here in the States um, and around the world, but it's had a lot of issues. Um, it's had a lot of management instability. It's had a, a number of different um, crises and things that have hit it. Well, Credit Suisse has some great private bankers and they have some great clients. Uh, are the city bankers calling up the Credit Suisse former employees and saying you should come here now or something like no, that? No, I think they're calling us. They are, okay, all right, okay. Our sponsor, Wells Fargo, recently spoke to Jose Manaya, CEO of Naveen, about how his company is serving the retirement needs of diverse communities. My parents emigrated here from the Dominican Republic. I grew up in Washington Heights in Inwood. My dad was a cook. My mother was a housekeeper at a hotel. They came here with a dream of having a better life for their kids. They barely had a bank account. The concept of a 401k was not there. We are in a retirement crisis in this country. We have an opportunity to help the Hispanic and African-American communities retire with dignity. If you just looked at the U.S. Latinos, they'd be the fifth largest GDP in the world. Nuveen is an asset manager. Our business is about trust. When I think about generational investing, I think about stability and lower volatility. So we think about the long term. What's interesting about our relationship with Wells Fargo is we share similar goals. At Wells Fargo, we're helping our clients forge what's next. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Growing up, what did you say you wanted to be? The CEO of City when you were growing up? What did you think you wanted oh, to be? Oh, I wanted to be a doctor when I grew up, but I was really lousy at biology, so that kind oh. of knew so that one that ended That happens quickly. a lot to people who yes. want to go to medical school. So, okay, you grew up in Edinburgh area? Yep, I did. And were your parents bankers? No, definitely not. So my father was a, a Scottish accountant, which meant you, you, you're not really relying on parental generosity and extra pocket money. Um, from a Scottish accountant as a father. So uh, I used to earn my pocket money on the golf course at St Andrews caddying. You would not know it from my golf game, but... Well, I'm sure it's better than mine. So you went to Cambridge. After you graduated, what did you do? After I graduated, I joined Goulburn as an analyst. Um, and, and that's an easy job to get, and an easy job when you have it. You don't work more than 30, 40 hours a week. Yes, yeah, yes. So how many years did you do that? So I worked at Goldman for a couple of years. And I was, the, I was young when I started and everyone was, I was the boring girl from Scotland. Everyone else was European, spoke multiple languages and was a lot more exotic and interesting than me. So after I finished the Annas program, I thought I'd better make myself a bit more interesting. So I moved to Spain. And, and, did you uh, speak Spanish before? I didn't. So, so now you speak Spanish? Si, hablo español perfectamente. Si. <laughs> ¿Qué tal su español? Well, my, I, I know one word, maybe C or something like that. I don't know. But, you know I, I, I okay. thought it was Cerdeza. Yes. So I, I, you know, my language skills are very limited. So, uh, so Luckily, after, you, have, you have other talents, though, well, which is a fortunate thing. Spanish isn't one of them. But I, so you do there for a couple of years, and then you decide to go where? To America. All right, and where yes. did you want to go in America? So I, um, I did the same again, taught my way into Harvard Business School. Um, and I was fascinated by the American machine, and if you've, spend a bit of time in Europe and grown up in the, you know, the 80s, 70s and 80s. It's fascinating. To, America is just uh, you know, something you want to try and understand and the American economy and the American entrepreneurs, not someone you ever want to bet against. So when you went to Harvard Business School, you entered in 92, something like yes, that? Yes, that's right. right. You entered in 92. Uh, were there a lot of women in your class? Uh, probably about 24, 25%, something like that. Yes. And, uh, there are enough of us to cause trouble. All right, you graduate from Harvard Business School, and then you decide to go to McKinsey? Yes, I did. And why did you want to be a consultant? Uh, well, first of all, was why didn't, why didn't I go back into banking at that time? And I've been in banking in the 80s where there weren't many women in banking, unlike the business school. Um, they wore suits with very big shoulder pads, um, and they were more scary than the men. Um, you, remember the, you remember the era. And so uh, when I looked at the consulting, uh, particularly McKinsey, 
I like partnerships. I think partnerships are great places to grow up. The apprenticeship model is wonderful. Uh, global institution and firm. Um, and also it was, you know, quite strategic um, in what they were looking at. It was similar issues to M&A at Goldman. Um, but I thought I would have a chance of having a family, a bit more predictability um, in the work schedule. So you did it for 10 years, roughly? 10 years, yeah. And you had two children during that time. Yeah. So yeah. You, uh, you go to McKinsey, you work your way up, you become a partner there. Yeah. And, you know, being a partner at McKinsey is a great job. Why did you decide to leave to go to City? Yeah. I became a mum at the same time as I became a partner, and I was a, I worked part-time um, all the way through my partnership years. Um, and McKinsey was fantastic about that because I you know, was able to spend time with the kids before they went into school. But then when they, got, when they were then at school, that I felt like, okay, I can go back um, full-time working again. And I, you know, I honestly, I felt like it was time that I could prove that I would, I could do it rather than just advice. All right. So you went to City at the time. Um, did you think a woman could become or would ever become the head of City? I honestly never thought about it. It, it, it I mean, at that point, it, it's a firm that there were quite a few women around in. I've been in an environment that was always very supportive around it. Some fantastic male mentors and others. And it wasn't. It was just never something I thought about. This was 20 years ago. So, um, I was just enjoying the day job. So you had a series of jobs. Everyone, you were the CEO of this division or that division and so forth. And one time they asked you to move to Latin America, uh, to be the CEO of Latin America. Did you think that was a dead end? You're going to move to Latin America, get out of the way of the succession? Or did you think that was a way to get promoted? Um, it was a big turnaround role. And it's one of those ones you say, if I did a good job, then you know, that was going to put me in good position for bigger, bigger opportunities ahead. And if I did a bad job, then... You know, so be it. You wouldn't, you weren't afraid they would forget you. You're down in Brazil or something and you, you weren't afraid they would forget you and everything like that? No. Okay. So you did a good job. You come back and you're the head of the Global Consumer Bank. What is yes. the Global Consumer Bank at City? So that's, um, that's retail banking. That's a credit card, which I believe you are a proud owner of a City credit card, David. I, I am. I yeah, do have so that here. I, uh, I can't, I'm getting, uh, I don't have enough frequent flyer miles on it though. I, I'm trying to. You told me I'm not qualified for my frequent flyer miles, but yeah, you got the wrong card. Is it a? Uh, is it? A, is this the best credit card you can get? There is. So, David, you have the one with our wonderful partner, American Airlines, and they—they—they. They, How come it's I? A you have, you have one, partnership. but yours is black. How come mine's yes. gold? How come I don't have? Is, yeah, which yeah. is better? You've got to ask for it, David. Oh, okay. Yes. All right. Well, I, 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 although I suspect you may not be flying quite as much on the commercial airlines. Yeah, as, okay. <laughs> Our sponsor, Wells Fargo, recently spoke to Jose Manaya, CEO of Naveen, about how his company is serving the retirement needs of diverse communities. My parents emigrated here from the Dominican Republic. I grew up in Washington Heights in Inwood. My dad was a cook. My mother was a housekeeper at a hotel. They came here with a dream of having a better life for their kids. They barely had a bank account. The concept of a 401k was not there. We are in a retirement crisis in this country. We have an opportunity to help the Hispanic and African-American communities retire with dignity. If you just looked at the U.S. Latinos, they'd be the fifth largest GDP in the world. Nuveen is an asset manager. Our business is about trust. When I think about generational investing, I think about stability and lower volatility. So we think about the long term. What's interesting about our relationship with Wells Fargo is we share similar goals. At Wells Fargo, we're helping our clients forge what's next. 
Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Currently, many CEOs are under pressure to take positions on public uh, policy matters. So positions on voting rights or, or um, climate change, so forth. Do you think CEOs should be getting in the middle of talking about those kind of things, or do you try to not do that? Um, when they matter to your business model um, and when they're important for progress, um, if you're a bank, you care a lot about economic growth and progress around the world. So, yes, we will speak out on that. Also, if it's very important to our people, the communities that we're in, there'll be topics we'll talk about. We don't view this as being political, um, but it's, it's about what do we stand for as a bank. Now, what about diversity, equity and inclusion? What are you doing to make certain you have other uh, diversity standards met in the bank? It's, it's a really important part of the bank because I think because we've got people from everywhere um, who work at City and they want to work for an American enterprise. Um, it, it's a real compelling point of, uh, of the bank um, in, a, in attracting talent from all over the world. For City, um, my predecessor really was very focused on making sure that we had strong diversity of all types in the bank. Um, and we worked out that radical transparency is very, very valuable. So we put out three-year targets on representation, um, and we disclose those every, you know, we disclose exactly what they are. The targets we have on both recruiting and in retention and in promoting are in everybody's scorecard. And we also have pay equity. So every single year, we measure and have a third party come in and make sure that every woman is paid exactly the same as a man in the same job performing at the same level. When did you realize for the first time I could be or you could be the CEO of the, of the bank? I mean, you know, there are a lot of people. You have 230,000 employees. A lot of them want to be CEO. When did you realize for the first time you, you had a chance to get that? Um, when I was made president of the bank. Um, because up until then, you just you don't really have a sense. Um, but that was the point when um, Mike and John had a conversation about um, okay. being a likely successor, but no guarantees in life, and I better do a good job. Okay. Yes. So your predecessor was Michael Corbett. Yep. Um, he retired about two years ago. Yep. You succeeded him. What was the biggest challenge you had in becoming the CEO right away? Oh, it was COVID. Um, so this was becoming CEO during COVID is not the easiest because you know, one's used to going around, going to different sites, seeing our people, seeing our clients in person. And while Zoom did an amazing job, it is not the same. And so I you know you have to learn how to lead in a different way. Today, 
Um, Citi is a bank that has announced it's changing its strategy. Yes. And you now want to be a consumer and, and institutional biz bank in the United States. Is that right? And, um, yep. and you're getting out of the consumer business outside of the United States. So what we've said we are, rather than what we're not, is a, you know, it, it's a pretty extraordinary bank in its history um, and in its presence globally. It's uniquely operate, opens the door as a bank in a hundred different countries. So the, the city is to be the preeminent banking partner for companies and for investors and for individuals with cross-border needs. Um, and that's the vision of the bank. That's the, we will serve that client base um, as their absolutely critical partner. Hey, so you've sold a number of your international consumer businesses and yes, you've announced you're trying to sell uh, your business in, in uh, Mexico. The consumer business. Consumer there. business. Yes. Um, who are you going to sell that to? Oh, <laughs> we've, been, we've been fortunate to have a lot of interest there. Look, we looked at, we looked at consumer banking and we could see that originally this, the view had been that you would get a lot of global scale in consumer banking. And we were very strong in a number of different geographies, but the reality is you don't get as much scale globally. Um, it's much more about local scale in those businesses. So we decided let's focus. We want the bank to be simple. We want to be truly excellent at what we do. And that's better if you're a more focused bank around fewer business lines. So that's, All right. that's the path we're on. So the bank stock under your predecessors and to some extent under you hasn't really moved in 10 years. Is that a concern? Well, we're transforming the bank to make sure that we're in a very different position. So the, we're changing the strategy of the bank, as we talked about, and that entails selling 65,000 employees. It's 25% of our employee base. So we can really focus and double down on the businesses that make sense. Of the 230,000 yeah. you have, you're selling 65,000? Yes. Them? Oh, wow. Yes, it's a lot. And I think you know, it's under the belief that what, where, we, where we truly excel, we will move every single day $4 trillion of volume for 5,000 multinational firms. And there's no other bank in the world that can do that. That's an incredible asset for America. It's a strategic asset for the states um, because you'd much rather have American companies operating on American banking rails and not foreign banking rails, particularly these days. So that's what we're focusing the bank around is that client base. Um, and it's a big transformation, David, right? This is bold. Um, you know, this takes some courage to do. We're making really good progress on it. And we're putting a lot of investment into modernizing the bank because we've had um, some regulatory orders against us as well to make sure that we make the investments we need to and making sure the culture is there of real excellence, um, but also to be a human bank. We've talked about that being important. All, put all of that together, that's a lot of transformation. It's a lot of work, but we're really, we're determined around it and we're completely convinced that that puts the bank into a different profitability, different return profile, and ultimately the benefit of our shareholders. Suppose I'm listening to what you say and I say, yeah. she's obviously articulate, she's committed, uh, maybe I'll buy her stock. You think your stock's a good buy right now? Yes. Okay. Very. I buy it, I can get an appreciation of some percent I can be happy with, you think? Not as good as private equity returns, but good, right? <laughs> For young professionals, Yes. Why should they want to work in a large commercial bank? What's the appeal of it? Why, if somebody gets, goes to Harvard Business School, why not go to a private equity firm, a hedge firm, uh, one of these, you know, up important organizations? Um, 
And why, what's the, well, how do you recruit people into a place like Citi? What, what is it that you say is so great about being a commercial banker? America's global banks are right in the center of some of the biggest challenges that are going on in the world. Geopolitically, we get pulled into the conversations. Um, we're supporting, we're playing a critical role in supporting clients and countries. Um, and you get an opportunity to come and work and learn um, in a team environment, in an apprenticeship model on how to tackle and solve some of these pieces. What do you do for relaxation uh, to get away from the office from time to yeah. time? Are you a golfer uh, or, or something? Yeah, well, look, I, I love spending time with my kids. So, um, you know, being able to have a chance to spend some time with them. They're less enthusiastic now than they used to be when they're little about that, but I'll take what I get. Do they, um, tell, their, they tell their friends who you are or they don't want to tell oh, them? So when I was announced as CEO, I knew it was going to happen. I called up my Duke son and I, I said, didn't pick up as usual. I said, please call me. Um, and I get you a text back. You called your son and he didn't pick up? No, 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 didn't pick up. He sent a message about, I'm, on, I'm, I'm busy. I said, no, no, please, I've got some news. Could you, could you pick up? And he's like, mom, I'm, I mean, I'm on Zoom calls. I'm, you know, I'm really busy. And, and he did not pick up, did not pick up. I ended up having to text him the next morning that it was going to be announced. And then he came back to me at the end of the day and said, mom, you were, you know, it was a text message, it wasn't a call. I said, Mum, you know, you're all over the news today. Are you important or something? Dot, 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 dot. <laughs> Thanks for listening. To hear more of my interviews, you can subscribe and download my podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen.